Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What's poppin'? Real ones. Logan Murdoch here with Raja Bell. Raja, we have someone in the building that is a real one. Someone that I covered for a year. Played... Is an NBA veteran, has uh, played a long time, is retired now, doing a lot of great things off the court. We have David West in the I building, did, Roger. I did not like David West when we played. Oh, I didn't okay. like him. He was, okay. no, but like, that's a compliment, D West, because like, I mean, he was, he was physical. He didn't take no shit. Like, you were always going to be, it, it was, you had to bring your lunch pail. It's one of those kids, you, you like him on your team, but you don't like playing against him, bro. And I set screen. Right. And he said, good screens. <laughs> Raja, okay, great, great, great entering point. What was a play that David did and y'all was playing against each other where you were like, man, fuck this motherfucker. Where you had the, where you had the, where he set a screen, did an extra elbow that it was just, was just out of pocket in your eyes. What did he do where you were like, damn, dude, for real? I don't have, <laughs> I, I know, I don't have one play that sticks out, but. By the nature of like the way he played and what I was tasked to do by like chasing people around the court and trying to make their life <laughs> difficult, like his job was to fuck me up, like or at least try to, you know. So and mine was to try to run away from it. So like we were always in one of those, like damn, he hit me again. Like I gotta, you know, your head was on a swivel when you were running around her. Right. D West, how how important was it to fuck up little guys like Raja when they try to run in the paint and try to run by you? And well, how important it was it to give them a little ah, a little bow? No, nah, see, that's how that's how I stayed in the league. Like that's how that that's what my career uh that's why I, I had value because I was willing to screen. I could I knew how important it was to like hit the best defender on the other team. And mm-hmm. free up, you know, particularly when I was playing with Chris, um, you know, teams would, you know, I know, I, I know you remember this teams would change up who was guarding him in the pick and roll because different guys could do different things. If you had like a physical guard, he would try to body him a quicker guard would, you know, maybe chase him over the top, deny him the ball. So 
I needed him to get screened so I could get to my shot. Right. So I had to become a good screener. Hey. <laughs> Look, he um he Kurt, you remember Kurt Thomas, right? Yeah. Like Kurt, Kurt was a great offensive player, man. People don't remember Kurt like led the NCAA in scoring and rebounding um, right. at one point. But boy, Kurt was Kurt towards the end of his career, like and when he was with a, he was the best screener I ever played with, dog. And he he too was able to like really extend that career because he knocked down shots and he would bust your ass coming off with some screens. Right, right, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Oof. You talked about uh, this is a good segue, D West. You talk about um, the pick and roll, and you talked about Chris Paul. That was one of the uh, that was one of the first guys you played with, and somebody you got real success with. What did he kind of do to unlock um, whatever you had when he was drafted? What, what? How did he help your career early on in uh, in New Orleans? Uh, well, he was you know he was a lead dog. Um, you know he came in. Um, you know we knew we were going to draft him. That was my it was after my second year, and I only played like 50, maybe not played like thirty games. I was hurt most of that year. Um, so the, the organization was like, we're going in a different direction. You know, we think we got a franchise level point guard. They're like, he's small, but he's dynamic. He can really make plays. He can hold his own. So, um, you know, he came in and Chris just wanted to play. He just wanted to play an open style. And, um, you know, anybody that, that knows me in terms of my college career, you know, I could only score around the basket. I mean, I think I, you know, I scored. You know, most of my points in college were like 16, 15 feet and in. There were there were hardly any jumpers. Everything was post moves or, you know, just scoring off the move, going to the basket. Um, so I, you know, I just worked that whole summer. I changed my regimen that summer. I uh, wasn't really doing a lot of drills. I was just doing catch and shooting. And I was going in the gym, making at least, I mean, we're making at least 500 shots a day. Um, and that's just catching and shooting. I wasn't doing any you know, dribble moves or running or anything like that. So um, I developed the ability to just knock down shots once I got my feet set. And uh, I was able to adjust to, to you know, to what Chris, um, what, what Chris needed and what our team needed in terms of having the, you know, the space to, to let him thrive in the pick and roll. Hey, when you said, d West, when you said he came in and wanted to play more of an open style, was that something that watching him play, like when you guys got together, people figured that out or Chris came in and was like, look, this is this is the way I see it. This is the way we want to do it. How did that evolution of styles from the team perspective kind of take place? Nah, it was like the first pickup game. Like you automatically knew he wasn't going to be running no, you know, Utah type offense or San Antonio type offense. Um, you know, uh, Coach Scott was the coach at the time. So, uh, you know, we did have, you know, some Princeton stuff, but that was like, way down the list. I mean, I think we led the league in pick and rolls, um, you know, just that that read because we were doing it, you know, every play just about. And then we would add, you know, sometimes it'd be two guys in it, but some variation of the pick and rolls, what we what we got to. And it was just Chris's style. Like he needed the ball in his hands. You know, um, we didn't need to have, you know, 10 seconds of a possession where the ball is in someone else's hands before he touched it. So, um, you know, it was something that just naturally evolved. Again, it was like the first pickup game we played. We knew we were going to have to just be a, a pick and roll team. U.S. When when you we see, you know, I know you guys both are players, but as a fan, we see Chris Paul as just being a really, 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 really great player, right? He can get right. into the pick and roll, can do all these things. But 
you talk about playing with him in pickup and you talk about playing with alongside him in the games. What about Chris Paul makes the game so much easier that a casual fan just doesn't see, right? What is what does he do that, you know, helps you out in the pick and roll? Like subtle things that he does that makes other players around him really good or maybe amplifies other basketball players. Well, I mean, the, the without giving away too much because he's still playing. Um it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like just the idea of spacing and, um, you know, knowing that, you know, spacing is really the king. And so he's, you know, he, you know, you see he's doing it in Phoenix now. He's got those guys spaced. Um, you know, mo- nobody's really moving when he's moving. So, you know, you, you're creating those passing uh, alleys and lanes. And he's, you know, again, he's a brilliant passer and he can see the floor. So, if you can shoot it uh, or finish at the rim, um, you know, he can make you better. Um, I always felt, because I played with a pretty good pick-and-roll player, too, with, with Steve Nash. Um, and both of them had the ability, Logan, uh, uh, it, like to keep that dribble alive, just really to put you as a defender in a really precarious situation. Like, damn, he's getting close enough to a scoring position. Do I have to leave and as soon as you left, both of those are able to like do what D West just talked about, just put it right on somebody's hands. And if you stayed home, they were both good enough, you know, to score it. So with that space and that kind of, you know, those alleys he talked about, they were just able to keep that dribble alive so damn long. I want to ask you, because they're they seem like two different people, um, Nash and, and and CP3 in terms of personality, right? Like both great leaders, but CP3 seems like he's got a little fire in his belly. Like he's not afraid to to get in there and be in your face. And Steve was more of a quiet reserve leader. You were also someone though, that had a voice, like not afraid to like, were you guys a match made in heaven in that regard? Or did you guys have to iron that out? Am I wrong on who CP3 is behind closed doors as a leader? Right. No, he, uh, you know, C was one of those guys where, you know, he really took, took the lead because he wanted to win. Uh, and he had, you know, you know, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Um, right. you know, a little mean street. And, uh, you know, when you first see it, you know, I remember like, Oh, that little, like, you know, you see him do something or see somebody piss him off. Um, and then it comes out, you're like, Oh, I get it now. Um, you know, we had some incidents like that his first year where there were a few guys that he, you know, wanted to prove himself against and man, um, you know, he had some bad, I mean, he had some battles and there were times where you're like, I got to, you know, I would, you know, step in sometimes, but then there are other times we like, you know, let him handle it and he handled it. Um, uh, and then in terms of just the way they, uh, he, he and Nash would play, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I felt like, you know, Nash was one of those guys where he was just very, very, because his feet were always moving. Um, you know, I thought he was, he was, he was in that pick and roll dangerous because he would, feet were moving, but he'd also shoot behind. Chris didn't shoot behind the pick. Uh, much, um, you know, what C's advantage was, was that cross dribble, right? So he was able to get beyond the big and then cross um, to the other Back side. inside of you. Right, and keep the guy on his hip. So he'd really be like, damn, if he, he could score this, he could throw the lob or he can, and he got, you know, drop it back to me at the top of the key. So it would, you know, put it, you know, put guys in a, in a tough, tough predicament. That's why he's able to score the ball and assist at such a high High right. rate because he always had those, always has those options available. That's hey, listen. They teach they they like in every. You got young kids, Wes. 
Yeah, like, yeah, 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 and yeah. and so like we didn't have all these workout gurus like when no, we no, came no, up no, like no. you learn that shit on your own but like I take my boys and they work like religiously on snake dribbles and that's CP3's right. influence right like that coming off that screen and getting back inside the big right. um, it's pretty cool to watch though like that you've made an impact like there's a whole generation of kids training to do what what, what you made a living doing right right uh, D-Wes how, how was we talked about Nash and Chris Paul. We talked about guys that he got up for early in his career. I, th- I believe his his career, his first year was when Nash won the MVP of 405, I'm pretty sure. Was Nash one of those guys that CP was like, he acted a little different right before he played CP, before y'all played the Suns? What was that like? Yeah, he he definitely did. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, tried to, he tried to win that matchup. Um, you know, that was something that, you know, I remember as a young player, uh, Nobody told me that. And it was, it was, um, it was actually his, I think it was his first year or so, uh, Chris's first year, because we were actually in Oklahoma. But Jim Clemens, who used to be, you know, coach, you know, longtime legendary coach with Phil Jackson, assistant coach, he told us, he was like, you know, we started the preseason and we were just playing hard. We were young. And, you know, Coach Scott got us doing all this conditioning. We were just playing hard. And then probably toward the end of the preseason and maybe the first or second game. Uh, Coach Clemens says to me and him, he says, yo, you you guys are, you're good guys. He's like, you, you're competitive. Um, he's like, but y'all got to try to win some of these fucking matchups. Like, just like that. And I was like, what? He was like, no, I'm serious. You, you know, I know we're playing a team game. And he was talking about Chris, you know, because Chris was 15 assists and all the other stuff. He's like, no, we, we need you to like beat the other guy on the stat sheet on the other team. And that was the first time it was put to me like that. And I remember like there was a, you know, there was a shift in him and like, because when he went up against Jason Kidd, it was like, yo, like Chris. Was he locked in before the the game and stuff? A hundred miles an hour, you know, shoot around was intense. He was in a full sweat, you know, like Mm. got a, a full practice in and, well, that was sort of the way he would gear himself up for Nash and, kid and uh he had a little thing with jason terry too <laughs> uh, <laughs> for some reason um but he would um you know that's just the way he was that's the way he was wired you know bd was the same he was the same way with bd all the guards you know he was he was trying to prove himself against um mm. what uh, d will was in that mix too right because they came in around the same time right like that was real yeah. that yeah, was yeah, real yeah, shit yeah. um let me ask you because i i did have some battles with with Chris, like that wasn't my job all the time because, you know, he's he was a little too quick for me. Um, yeah. But he was physical as hell. And he, like, tell me about him on the court, dog. Like, how much shit does he talk? Yeah, he does. I mean, you know, um, he's a competitor, man. Right. You know, he's going to chirp. Uh, you know, he's going to throw cheap shots. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to do what he has to do to get an advantage, um, especially when he was young and, you know, a little bit more fiery and, he had, you know, that, that speed was just, um, his quickness, um, you know, was just unreal at times. And so, uh, you know, he was chirpy, he was nasty. And then if you, you know, if you, um, if you got at him, I mean, he tried to get back at you. You know, he, he and Kid had a battle in Jersey one time that was like, I mean, we went to like overtime or something, but it was nasty, like just, just brutal. But, um, you know, and it was, it was something that he, you know, it was a matchup he wanted to win. It was a matchup he felt like he had to be able to, um, uh, uh, you know, to get an advantage or at least have an advantage when he was on the floor. 
Um, because it meant, you know, it meant, you know, getting that stature where you stood in the league in terms of uh, amongst the other elite guards. What was it like, uh, 08, when he's going up against Kobe for the MVP? What was that season like? Because I know on my end, I'm rooting for Kobe. I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah. What was it like on your end for how good he played that season? What was his mindset, uh, particularly throughout the season, particularly those three or four matchups against the Lakers where, you know, he does take on that matchup, you know, really seriously. Yeah. How was that uh, being in the locker room with him during that time? Um, you know, it was, you know, those were heated battles. Um, that year, I mean, we really thought we had a chance to win the NBA championship. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we literally went into every game feeling like we could win. Um, you know, Chris was, uh, at that time, again, that was a few years in. So he was confident and, you know, he was embracing those big games. He was embracing, um, you know, playing against Kobe. And then, you know, he had earned Kobe's respect. You know, um, we were playing, we played them. Uh, and it might've been the year before, but um, we had a game against him and he went off. And then the very next game, we next time we played them, like Kobe made it a point to guard Chris the entire game. Like that's, we <laughs> so knew. you knew, you knew. We knew he had his, like, he, it was, he didn't work nothing. It was no match. Like every time he was on the floor and Chris was on the floor, he was guarding uh, Chris. And I was like, damn. And Kobe's like sitting down, picking him up full court. I'm like, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, and and he knew it because it kind of took, you know, you get the jump ball and we got the jump ball. And, you know, usually he holds it for about two seconds. Mm-hmm. And like in that first second, Kobe was in his shit. I mean, like, <laughs> like smelling his breath. And I was like, oh, here we go. You know? <laughs> okay. Was he was he pissed when he didn't get the the, the uh, MVP? What was the reaction when he didn't? No, nah, he, he no, nah, he wasn't tripping, man. He was, you know, he okay. was. Uh, I think he felt, you know, he felt really, uh, really good about the the year we had. Um, you know, he felt good about where he was. Um, yeah, he was disappointed, but but he wasn't tripping. Up. I just want to ask real quick one more, just about CP before we get on. I know we got to get to some other stuff like the team he's on now. Some of the stuff that you just talked about in terms of having that dog in him and the edge and just embracing the matchup, you know what I mean? Like, because it right. does boil down to like this is it's a team game, dog. But it's 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 man to man, kind of hand to hand out there, you know. Like you gotta you gotta win your matchup. I feel like those were things that a young Phoenix team um, was missing. Clearly, talent like with like out of the coming out of the pores with the Devin Booker's and the Aitons right. and some of those pieces, but something to tie it all together with with the attitude. Um, right. How do you see that? coming to form there in Phoenix. They're, they're 20 and 11, sitting in fourth in the West. You think they have, uh, you think they got the chops to make some noise out there in the West? Yeah, you know, I think they'll, um, you know, I didn't expect them to be fourth, but um, I mean, they got, they got, they got a great coach, man. I mean, got to give it to Monty. Yeah, um, Monty's tough. Monty is really, really, I mean, he is a really, really good coach. Um, and, you know, Chris is the kind of guy that, you know, Monty can coach through him. Um, and that's probably what they were missing. So, um, you know, most guys who understand the league and you understand this, Roger, like you got to be coachable, right? We're pros. We got egos and families making money, whatever. But the bottom line is, yo, you got to shut up, right? And listen to what the coach is saying. You got to shut up, close your mouth, open your ears, understand what the scout report is, go out there and try to do it, period. Like not, no deviating from that, right? And that's hard for some guys. But then there are some guys who... Um, you know, the guys that play a long time are the guys that get that concept. 
And then the guys that can have the long lasting impact like Chris, um, they get it. And then they're able to pass it on to the rest of the team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So now when it's like, yo, we got to shoot around at this time, everybody be on time. Let's be the plane on time. He's going to do it. And he's got a, a, a way of doing it, right? He's going to, you know, keep the locker room light. He's going to joke about guys. Like, you know, that's how he does it. He's like, oh, you know, who's going to be late today? But, you know, in a way where, okay, now we're going to find you, but it's a leadership, it's an accountability way. Um, and it's working, man. That's that's who he is. Like, he's going to make sure that, you know, we're here to do a job. We're here to play. We're here to compete, get better, win, um, go out and try to win every game we, we possibly can. And he embodies that. Um, and he's able to pass that on to other guys in the locker room so that if you're one of the guys that doesn't do it, you stand out in a bad way. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like in, in New Orleans towards the end? Because I'm trying to transition to your time in, in, in Indiana. In 2011, you're, you opt out of a deal. You hurt your knee. Mm-hmm. It seems like Chris Paul's, you know, he was he, that was when he was getting the trade rumors was right before he got traded to L.A., what was your mindset? Was it, okay, it's over New Orleans, I got to figure something else out somewhere else? And then how did Indiana come into play as a uh, as a team that you wanted to sign for sign with? Yeah, yeah. so they, that, you know, our time in uh, in New Orleans ended, um, you know, when they tried to trade Tyson. Once they, I think the, the Hornets tried to move Tyson during the year and the year before maybe or something. Um, but basically once they tried to move Tyson and then they traded Tyson, it was, it wasn't no, you know, we were both he and I were, were too close with Tyson. We felt like Tyson was, was a, you know, he was a deep, you know, one of the main reasons we were who we were and it made no sense in our mind to try to move him again. This is no disrespect. And he to wanted to, went to go on and win a title in Dallas. Like he was a big, yeah. Right. Da- yeah, da- yeah. Dallas won with basically our team, right? Tyson and Pedro. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dirk, but you know, like we we always looked at that. We felt like that was our title. If we had stayed together a couple more years, that was the one we we, we could have got because we were better than Dallas. Like we had we beat we eliminated Dallas in the playoffs. So we um you know our our challenge in the West was always San Antonio and the and the Lakers. Um, so you know when they tried to do, move Tyson, um, you know we had some other stuff. We had a chance to get Rip Hamilton. They didn't want to do that. Um, for whatever reason, um, we were like, yo, it's time to go, bro. And um, mm. yeah, you see that, right? Rip, like we had a chance to get Rip. Yeah, and did not know like, that. Yeah, it's like, yo, y'all tripping. And so, um, you know, that year, we had a good year. Um, I tore my ACL and I knew Chris was, you know, it, it, again, Monty was, was he gone? New, no. Was he out? No, no, no. It, it it was just Monty was a new coach, and we love Monty. But you know, we had been in New Orleans, and we were just the organiz- we were just not sure the organization was was in a position to get right. And then when I tore my knee up, uh, knowing the lockout was pending, um, I told him. I you know he was the first person, and I was like, see, I probably won't, I probably won't resign with the with the Hornets. I got you know I think there's a better chance to win, um, you know, in the East, and there's a better chance to you know be a part of a team that I feel like can um, make a splash. And this was, you know, during the, during the, during the lockout and we're figuring out where I potentially was going to go. So that's when Indiana came into the, into the picture. It was Indy or Boston. Um, I knew I was going to the East. Um, um, so I just, I, I chose Indy because they were younger. Um, mm. You know, Boston had a chance, but I knew they were, they were only going to be there one or two years. Um, yeah. They were a win now situation. 
Um, and, you know, again, ironically, they, they, I think they went to the conference finals and then the next year they broke up. So I would have been in Boston, um, during a rebuild. So, yeah. um, I was in Indy, um, you know, the guys were great. They were young. They needed exactly what I had, you know, veteran leadership, toughness, um, just to know how to do, uh, things, um, you know, day to day. Um, and it was a good run there. Yeah, that was that was your transition to to elder statesman and kind of, you know, bringing it all together. Kind of that role we talked about with CP. Let me let me ask you though, because I was that was towards the end of my career. I I live in the the Miami Fort Lauderdale area, right? And you had two series. Was it 11, 12, 12, 13 with the Heat? Yeah, that, we had three of them actually. Three of them. Okay. Well, look, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm not a Heat fan, but like sure. I was watching those in real fear for the Heat. Because, right. <laughs> like, y'all presented a lot of problems for them boys, man. Those were tough matchups across. Talk to me about those series. Yeah, no, nah, that was, um, you know, that was some of my most, you know, those those years in Indy was, you know, literally like some of my best best basketball, but my favorite basketball. You know what I mean? Like that, where, like, you literally enjoying it every day. You're like, damn, I can't wait to get on the bus. I can't wait to go play. Because it's like, you know, we lost the year before to them in the conference semis. Um, my first year there. And um, you know, we knew we were like, damn, yo, we we closer to these guys than we than we thought. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yo, we 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 gonna be able to tussle with these guys. Like we thought, you know, again, when everybody saw LeBron and D Wade, I mean, in their primes together, we like, man, this is a challenge that's just gonna be, you know, insurmountable. But, you know, we had the the, the guys I always say they were young enough and dumb enough to believe, you know what I mean? Like right. And, and and we were able to to put, you know, I thought we we beat them up um, and pushed them harder than anyone else. Was that um, the scout? Was the scout to beat them up? Um, you know, to a degree, um, because, you know, Frank was, uh, Coach Vogel was in, in the mindset, like he was old school. You know, he just liked playing with two bigs and he just refused to not have two big guys. And at the time was crazy is when I got to, when I got to Indiana, I was about, I was maybe 238. I, in, in New Orleans, I played literally between, you know, two in the 230s mostly, but I was about 235, 238. Roy had lost because coach before him, uh, Jim O'Brien, wanted Roy to lose a lot of weight because he was trying to, you know, play small. He wanted to play with one big and four, mm-hmm. four smalls. So Roy had gotten down to like 240, right? Frank comes on board and he's like, I want you motherfuckers to be big. I was like, what? <laughs> I want you to be big, you know, just get as big as you possibly can. I don't give a damn. He was like, well, if we got to walk it up, we'll walk it up. But I just want to be big and nasty. So I went from like 238 to 265. I was playing at 265 most of my time. Who's a big boy? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, that's big boy. Uh, Yeah, you know, Sean Wendell had us just, we were, I mean, it was weights every day, weights. Um, You know, we were taking shakes. We were just bulked up. Roy was 285, 290. Um, that was some offensive linemen. <laughs> and that's what he wanted. That's what Frank yeah. wanted. Frank wanted us big and and be physical, and it worked for us. It yeah. did. It did. It almost, hey, listen, they, I secretly, if you could get some real info from behind closed doors, they they were scared. Some of them boys yeah. were scared because yeah. that <laughs> shit was that close. Right. But right. I always seen like, 
when I, whenever I watch the Pacers, because you know, you know, the the in vogue thing was a hate on the Miami Heat. So I was like, oh, okay, well then, you know, it's time. Let's, let's root. This is the team that we think is going to beat the Miami Heat. But it always seems like something went wrong at the end or something like around the season. Why was that on your team? There will be like the Lance Stevenson blowing in the ear. There will be just a, some self destructive shit that you guys would do. Why? What? Why? Why? Why couldn't you guys? Why were you guys the elite team that just couldn't figure it out? Because I feel like y'all had the talent and yeah. just some of the just off to beat them. But I don't know what. Where was the disconnect over there, Dus? We got greedy. Um, you know, we got greedy in terms of thinking we needed. You know, th- you know, we we knew we were good enough, but then we got you know sometimes um, you know greed will get you. And so we got greedy. We went after buying them. And we were just being, we were being greedy. We were trying to be too big. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Too, too, you know, you got Andrew Bynum and Roy Hibbert. You know, we didn't have a big guy on our team under 260 pounds. Like we were like literally the heftiest team like yeah. in the league outside of Memphis. But, you know, mm-hmm. even behind behind Zebo and Mark, they didn't have the size that we had. So, yeah. you know, it was like, um, you know, we got greedy and then we just had, you know, immaturity, you know, Paul and George, and these guys are like in year three, you know? So you yeah. ask, like, we're, you know, you, 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 you knock off the wizards, you knock off, uh, you know, you're in, in Miami for God knows how many days of the year, man, we were playing them twice in the preseason three, four times in the regular season and then seven times in the playoffs. So it's like, guys are like, you know, so you just, you just. What, so you, what you mean? Y'all wasn't sitting there getting room service watching movies? <laughs> Y'all wasn't getting room service? What, what huh? you talking? What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Like we had right. to get, you know, the young guy, we had to get yelled at. Like B. Shaw had to yell at us about it. Like, yo, we're in the playoffs. Cut it out. Like no more, you know, that type of stuff. And we were learning, going through it. Um, uh, and again, we, you know, we got close. And then there were just a couple times where, you know, we had a chance to put these guys down 3-1, right? And, yep. I mean, Dwayne Wade, and it was like the one of the greatest games in NBA history. What Dwayne Wade and LeBron did to us, man, they were like... At home. Dude, it was like... Like, you yeah. can't do anything. D-Wade is taking off outside the paint. Like, <laughs> you know What's what it saying? like to like, be on the other side of that, D-West, where, where you're like, damn, this dude is good. These yeah, dudes are like, good. Fuck. Like, what do I do? <laughs> what is that like to be on the other end right there? Man, it's crazy because you're like, uh, you know, we're doing everything right. Like, we're playing the pick and roll right. And then Braun hits a top turnaround. He hasn't even seen the basket against Roy. And then, you know, it's like D-Wade is like just downhill. He shot faking and wanting from a step inside the three. Um, just making play after play. And we just, you know, you get to a point where you like, like these guys are who, you know, they're, you know, they're they broadcast to be, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. they all, they, they all feel. I always say it's just a helpless feeling, man. It's, I mean, yeah, it is. It, it is because you could do everything right. Like your Kobe's, your, your D Wade's, your right. LeBron's, like you're going to do everything in your power to stop it. You've read the scout, you've studied it, you're where you're supposed to be, and they're still going right. to do what they do. Like it's like, right. fuck. When Braun made that, Braun made a layup against us at the end of the game. I think we would have went up 2-0 or something if we had won. Yeah. Something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and That was in Miami, I think, right? Yes, that was in Miami. Miami. Yeah. That play, he literally, they had run that play at the end of the, end of the games all year. And mm-hmm. he never drove it. 
he never drove the ball. He always it's it's they drove they they wrote it up because it's the play where he catches it to his left and Rajah knows is that's his favorite shot to shoot spot to shoot from like on that wing where he can go to his left sidestep and shoot a three. So he was hit. That's the shot that we were playing him for. And just in that moment, you know, we're small. Roy is out of the game. We got Sam yeah. Young, you know, in the help side because we're expecting LeBron to catch it and ISO Paul at the top of the key. Like that Oof. small, that small little thing changes, changes history. How hard, how hard was it for you to like realize like, as, as fun as this is, as much as much of a ride as it's been, I, I got to go somewhere else to see if I could get this chip, like to make the call yeah. that you ultimately had to make. What was and, and did it, did it, before you get something to, to build on that question? When was the moment you thought that? Was it when Lance left, or was it when? When was the moment you were like, "Hey, oh man, I don't care how much bread you pay me, I'm opting out." Like, yeah, it was. It was, was a combination. It was a combination of Lance, you know, Paul being hurt, um, you know, me. Knowing my age, I might have been like 35 and like, you know, and Roger, I'll tell you, like playing into May and June consistently is no joke. And um, the style of play that we were playing, I, you know, I had already had some things going on, right? Like my knee, my foot, my back. And you were carrying all that weight. Right. And the weight. So I'm, I'm, mm. I'm saying to myself, yo, D, you gotta, you know, it's, and the other, you know, what, what drives you crazy, and I'm going to be honest with you, is like, I was sitting, I didn't watch the NBA Finals for every, you know, no year I was in Indy because I felt like we should have been there. And so I was seeing guys win. And I'm like, I know this motherfucker ain't putting the time. He don't care like I care. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff drives you crazy. Like, and so, you know, my decision to leave was all of that plus just wanting to make a, a, a decision that was going to make me feel you know, feel good um, and just make me feel like, you know, this is about you. This is about your personal happiness. This is about your personal journey and to hell with the, you know, David West always being the consummate professional, always being the, the guy that people say, hey, you know, he's doing the right thing. I was like, fuck that. Like, I want to go like Tim Duncan, the Spurs with my, like my fantasy team when I was a kid, you know, the whole idea of not having, Again, this is no knock to them, right? But like everybody talks about Tim, athleticism and the flashy shit. I didn't have none of that shit. Like I played, I just played the game. I just who I didn't give a damn if you knew me, didn't know me. I don't give a damn about no endorsements, being on TV. That shit never mattered to me. So I always admired the Spurs for the way they carried themselves. So when I had a chance to go there, I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go play. Was there any other options? Was there any other like thing or use like I'm locked into the Spurs? Like, what's up? I could have gone to the Warriors that year. I had seven, eight, nine teams, man. I could have, I had my pick of the litter. And I was like, I'm a, I'm, I, I'm Tim. I knew it was Tim's last year. I knew it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he said, look, man, I don't know if we can win, but I think, at, you know, with LaMarcus coming in and you coming in, we're going to be right in the mix. And that was enough yeah. for me. I was like, you know what? You're right. We're going to be in the mix. So, you know, we had you know the, the the most winning season they had in franchise history was that year. Yeah, y'all were y'all were good. It was just the fact that the Warriors were just seventy three, but people forget the Spurs. Y'all was yeah, right on their ass. Y'all right, was right on right. their heels that year. Right.
This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. David, we know the money aspect from our end of turning down bread, but what is it like for you when you're doing it? You know, you're having a family, you're raising this. It's not just a like, it's not just a number to you, right? Like you're you're having a lifestyle change. What is that like? Um, and why did you, what was it like to have that in your mind and also make the decision, fuck it, I'm still going to take less money and right. just do this. What was that like? What was the mindset like when you did that? So when we signed the deal in Indy, um, I always intended for that to be a three-year deal because I had already been the extra year. So I signed for two years and then we signed for another three years, but that extra third year was an option year. So I was basically signing another two-year deal. That's all, We always sort of planned it that way. Um, I had an opportunity to go to other places for um, you know more money, um, but it wasn't about the bread at the time. If anybody knows me, um, I've never been complicated. I never got caught up in the whole keeping up with the Joneses, um, shit that exists in the NBA. So, you know, I wasn't into flashy cars and having multiple mansions and all that. Never bought jewelry. I didn't do it. I didn't do any of that. So financially, you know, in terms of, um, my level and where I felt like, uh, I needed to be, we were pretty comfortable and, okay. um, so when I had an opportunity to walk away from it, again, it was it was solely about basketball. And I'm one of those people that, you know, like I don't necessarily put money on top of or over my feelings or what I know will make me uh, most content. And so that was a part of the decision. And in terms of my family, our lifestyle didn't change. Um, it didn't change at yeah. all. For sure. Um, so what is it like to go into Spurs, right? And a team like the Warriors have, the team the Warriors have, and they're coming off a, a chip, but they, 
have this historic season and right. they are the ones that are going to the finals when you're like, you're, are you, is there a level of like, what the fuck? You know no, what I mean? Nah, man. Nah, because it's still basketball. So, okay. you know, you know, the referees fucked it up. I'm going to be, I, it's the only time, only place I ever blame the referees. They bro. always do, bro. Okay. Always all right, do. guys. Okay. NBA, all right. All right. Nah, the NBA should have <laughs> stepped in. Somebody should have stepped in. Like the play that, the play that I think it was, um, Dion, not Dion, um, uh, Deion Waiters made against Manu. He literally it's a technical okay, see, battle, right? So this is this is a semifinals yeah. OKC against you guys. We got that series, right? I think we're getting ready. To, we might be getting ready to go up 2-0 um, at home. If you guys win, you'd play the Warriors in the conference finals yeah. if you guys win. Yeah, that and that's, and again, you, you got to leave it to basketball. But, like, that crazy-ass play, elbows, Manu in the chest from out of bounds. You know what I mean? Some wild shit that went on. There was a no call. We lose the game on that. The wildest like literally, I wanted to wanted to snatch one of them dudes up because you got to make a play, you got to make a call with all the reviewing the stuff you can do. You got to make a call, right? So no call is made. We lose that series to KD and Russ, which was a tough, you know, tough pill to swallow. But it's basketball, and um, you know, I got in trouble for this Logan right when uh when I was with the Warriors. But on the bus, right, um, Bob hit me, um, and he was like, "Yo, man, look." You know, we'd love for you to come. It was like that night of the game. They were like, we don't know what you're going to do, but, you know, we think you could, you know, you could help like Bob us. Hit you the, Bob already hit you the night y'all lost? Yeah. Like yeah. it's okay, see? Bob Myers yeah. is Warriors GM. Okay. So I, and I remember when I was, I was like, why the fuck would you tell people that? Because I, I remember I, I slipped up and said in an interview when I got to Golden State. Um, got it. You know, because it's like, but, <laughs> fuck, I'm retired now, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> right. But that night, so I was like, okay. And then, um, you know, Steph, I, I kind of, I admire Steph from afar. I spoke to Draymond. Um, I was already a, you know, a Clay fan because I'm just a, a, a fan of, of basketball. So then I had no idea they were going to go after KD, right, because they, they hadn't even played the series yet. Um, yeah. But then maybe, you know, it was maybe midway through the that whole period, um, KD hit me and was like, hey, man, look, you know, let's just let's say the win. text. Say the text, D West. Say the text because it's hella funny. <laughs> it was like, it was like, hey, let's just what do you say? Something like, let's go rock out or some shit. Like, let's go. It's like it's rock out West, man. Then let's go rock out West. Let's go do some shit. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right, bro, fine, whatever. He's hella know. funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was just like, hey, yo, man, come rock out with me, man. Let's go, let's go win, man. I was like, all right, and so I, I got in. So we went, had a good run with the Warriors, man. Maybe, Talk about uh, that first season, uh, D West. Like you guys won sixty-seven games, but I, honestly, if you guys tried more and during the regular season, and KD stays healthy, I feel like you guys could have. You guys were better than that seventy-three win team. Where do you? Where? How good was that team in your eyes? I think it's one of the best of all time. But what do you think about that sixteen, seventeen team that you were on? Yeah, um, KD's I, first you know, year. The energy, yeah, the energy was was crazy in there because um, they didn't win. Um, and so there was like, you know, Steph and Clay had this chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, Draymond was, 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 was edgy, but you know, he was adjusting to me. Um, and you know, he was like, you know, I'll never forget. He was like, he would stare, he would look at me sometimes. I'd be like, man, just say it motherfucker. Like what you, what you want to ask? You know what I'm saying? Because he'd be trying to, you know, Dre is one of these guys, he trying to read people and he used to, he was used to understanding everybody. 
And all of a sudden you got, you know, uh, JaVale, myself, and Zaza. It's a hell of a locker room. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was a different team. It was a different space. And so, um, you know, that first year, like I said, we were just on a mission. Like, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was like, man, fuck it. We, I got to do whatever we got to do. Not, lo- not losing this year. Like, you know, coming off that year in San Antonio, which was, again, fun, learning experience, but we didn't get to the top. So um, everybody was just locked in, man. There was absolutely Wait. no... No games being played. I, I wanna, Y'all went I wanna, sixteen and one. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, Roger. Hold on, Roger. Now hold on. I want to ask quick. this hold question before you <laughs> go, <laughs> dog. I want to go, man, because you monopolize the conversation right now, mama. Um, <laughs> listen, you talked. I'm, I am interested in this genuinely because you talked about being as big as you could be in Indiana, right? And then right. going to the Spurs, you're playing two bigs, also, right? Like that. I mean, they're they're going through Manu and and TD and I mean and uh, Tim, Tony Parker and those dudes, but. You're still big. Um, and now you're on a team that kind of revolutionized the way it's, you know, it's played. Like they're the one that are, there are other teams that were doing it, but they get the shine for it. How hard was that? How difficult was that for you, you and your game? Like how long did it take for you to acclimate to that style? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd gone through, um, you know, I'd started, you know, shedding weight when I was in San Antonio, um, you know, that year after, um, my last year in Indy and then, um, coming down through the summer, realizing because even, you know, um, you know, Pop was talking about, you know, not having to be as heavy um, as I was. Uh, so I adjusted to that. And then when I got to the Warriors, you know, Steve was like, look, you, you know, you're going to play. We're going to play small. You'll be the five. There'll be some occasions where I have, you know, when we went, I think we played Memphis and some of the bigger teams that were still trying to play big. He'd have me at the four sometimes, but it's like mostly, you know, we want you to anchor the second unit, um, you know, at the five. And I, you know, it was an adjustment because my whole career, I was used to, you know, playing fours and matching up against, you know, Dirk and Blake and guys like that. So then all of a sudden you shift them down a position um, and then having to adjust to being like, you know, the main big on the floor, um, you know, was an adjustment, but the style of play, you know, was so wide open. Um, so free flowing, um, was able to, to, to really work on and, and, and bring out, you know, my ability to pass the ball and, and move it from the, from that elbow area and make plays from that elbow area. Um, it worked out, you know, it was, a, it was a good situation. And then, you know, having, you know, just having the basketball smarts, um, you know, from one through five, we had a very, very smart basketball team. Everybody knew how to play. Everybody right. knew how to move without the ball. Everybody knew how to make plays with the ball in their hands if they had to, but, um, you know, it was just a very, very talented group. Back. Go ahead, Logan. Well, damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to need you to be real with me, D-West. On the 2017 uh, uh, playoffs, y'all go 16-1. and one. And the one loss you guys have is in Cleveland. Is it because you guys wanted to celebrate the title in Oakland? Or was it because you guys were like, it, why did y'all fumble on game three of the finals? Like, it was it was right there. Y'all was going to – y'all were going to win. What the, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I honestly don't even know. I think it was just like, I think it was a combination of, you know, the NBA wanting another game, the referees, mm. referees, the referees kind of saying, you know, you motherfuckers ain't going to just sweep this shit, you know. Um, and it was, it was one of those games where I felt like, I remember saying to somebody like, yo, I feel like they want Steph or KD to score like 50 in this game for us to win. Like one of them had to do something stupid like that you know, for them to just say, okay, NBA season is going to be over like this. Yeah. What was it? So the title, uh, you guys won the title the first year. Uh, 
the next year is my first year on the beat, right? right. Uh, 17, 18. And I remember it wasn't the same as the team that I watched from afar in terms right. of mindset. You guys were – sometimes you y'all would win some games, and then there was other nights where you guys just didn't give a fuck. Like, there right. was sometimes like that. What was the difference in that year? You guys always alluded to it the 17, 18 year. There was just some you guys won the chip, obviously. Right. But there was there was some underlying stuff that you guys would allude to. What 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 was going on during that season where you're that it where it wasn't the same as the first year for you? You know, I just think uh I guess it's it's hard um when you're dealing with those those super talented guys. Like ego is a part of this thing. So it's like we talk about who I'm talking about right now. My bad. People don't, uh, what we're talking about, man. God damn. <laughs> people don't understand that, right? Like, like ego. Roger, is like, big, who's ego? Who's ego? Yeah, Who? Yeah. Like, ego, ego Say their name. Big, it's a big deal, man. Like, but it's, yeah. it's everybody, right? You got literally yeah. five Hall of Fame guys on the damn same team. Mm-hmm. Like, you got, uh, you know, you got guys that are just, you know, at one point were the guy on their on their team, you got guys that are, you know, Steph was taking a, like Steph, you know, there were nights, man, where I, I would have to tell him that first year, like, yo, man, fuck these guys, yo, you gotta go. Like, mm-hmm. he was trying so hard to like make everybody comfortable and he knew Clay, you know, Clay wants to score, shoot the ball. That's who Clay Thompson is. And then, you know, he knew that, you know, he knows that, you know, Dre likes to have the ball in his hand so Dre can make plays and, and then, like, you know, KD needs his time to get. So Steph was the one making the most sacrifice. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck you doing? Like, dog, we, we, you got to do what you do, man. Like, and I would have to tell, I would say that to him some nights. And he'd look at me, because I don't think anybody would tell him, like, yo, you tripping, man. Like, nah, you can't pass that one, dog. You know, so the next year, um, you know, we, we were, you, you got you to gotta balance that out every year. Almost, mm. you know. Because it just doesn't automatically set itself, you know. Um, you got guys looking at, you know, what's looming, what the future possibly could be. Um, you know, you got different, different, different again egos, different people wanting to play different roles, new, new bench guys, young guys coming in. You got to balance it all out, and the talent um, is only so much, you know, and. Uh, you know, again, we were able to win it, but, you know, winning it and trying to get that energy, everybody's a year older, um, you know, was a bit tougher. But, again, we still had enough. Like, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't dead. Um, and then, obviously, some nights when, um, you know, you're going to places and, you know, everybody's giving you their absolute best at every position. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just tough some nights. Yeah, you become the hunted. Hey, is that window closed in Golden State? Can they, I mean, when when Clay comes back, if he's... Well, man, listen. Um, we, we see that, you know, with sports science, the Achilles injury is not, it's not a death sentence anymore. It's not so, a death sentence. Um, you know, if Clay, you know, the biggest key for them is is the big, right? They got to have, yeah. you know, Loon's been playing well, but, you know, Loon's got to stay healthy. Um, it's a big fella. If Wiseman can get a sense of, um, how he needs to play, um, you know, be a presence. Um, I think they can make the playoffs this year. Uh, Clay getting back in the mix next year. Um, I think they got to go for it next year if they're going to do it again. 
when you were um, looking on the television into the year after you left, after you retired, and you see Draymond and Kevin going at it on the on the sidelines, do you? Because I know the first thing I think of is like, how would this have been different if D West was in the locker room? How do you feel? Tell okay, so tell me what you would have. What the difference would have been if you see them on the sidelines? arguing, and it's getting a little oomph, and then after the game, what do you think, what are you doing if you're in that, uh, in that, in that huddle, yeah, and I'm, then how did it feel to see it on TV unfold when yeah, knowing that it I wouldn't was, happen when you watch? I was mad, I was mad when I saw it on TV. Um, mm. you know, I, I, I mean, I got on the phone with everybody after that. Like, I'm like, yo, what's up, man? Like, because, um, I wouldn't have let it get to that point. Like, all that rah-rah and shit on the, on, on the, on the bench wouldn't have happened. Like none of that, you know, it'd have been one or two words and then break, you know, I'm not going to, and you got to feel it building up. Um, yeah. But, you know, you got to, you know, you got to step in, um, you know, and, and, and. Did you sense that guy. building up already? Did you sense that, that, that animosity yeah. between both yeah, well, sides well, building up beforehand? I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't, I, not while I was there. I think it okay. came, you know, and, 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 and KD has some, you know, he has some stuff to do with it because, you know, I think it was all about whether or not he was going to stay. And, me, you know, the media is just peppering that question all year. Um, and had been doing it a lot early on. So, um, you know, it was it, it became an issue that it shouldn't have become an issue. And uh, those guys should have, you know, somebody should have stepped in. You know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where that doesn't just happen. That's, that's heating up. There are different points where you see it happening. Um, and you know, it was unfortunate because it, it really marred their, their season and it was hard for them to get, even though they made a run at it, right. Got back to the finals. We all thought they could do it, but again, this thing is a, is, it's a game of inches and, um, you know, health obviously, but then, you know, just the energy, um, you know, between them, uh, wasn't enough to get over the top. So it doesn't happen if David was in the locker room. No, because he's right though. That builds up, dog. That you, we saw it come to a head, but that's behind the scenes. Somebody's right. got to be in that locker room, like dead in those situations as they pop up. You know, right. voice of reason. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of those things I said about Brooklyn, Logan. Like when we talked about them earlier, who's going to be that guy in their locker room when you have those type of personalities that are combustible, you know, right. and mm -hmm. could go right. off. Um, they've been good. It's been clean so far, but if that starts to happen, somebody's got to be in there, like as that. As that vet, that good voice right. of reason, man. Um, right. Who's your pick to win it this year, D-West? Uh, the Lakers. No concerns mm. right now about AD? And what they look like without him? No, nah, I mean, I, I think he'll get I think he'll get healthy. Um, he'll get healthy. Does it matter if he, if he, is it even matter if he's um, like, just take, in my opinion, just take his time. As long as they have a, a secure yeah. postseason berth, I think that they'll be the favorites anyway, if he's healthy. Yeah, if, if, if they, if he's, um, you know, if he's healthy um, and they get, you know, again, as long as they're able to keep the, the ship afloat and don't sink too far. Um, and then if he's able to close the last, I don't know how many games they have left, but um, if he's able to play the last, you know, 20, 24 games or so, you know, basically get a preseason in and then a, you know, good run at it. Um, I think they, I think they repeat. Um, I just don't think that at their, at their best, and anyone else's best. Um, I just think they're 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 too much um, uh, to handle. Yeah. Um, I was looking. Um, you are on the board for a league, um, the Pro College League, mm -hmm. the West. 
right. uh, where you, it's a league where you are paying um, collegiate athletes. Right. Um, talk about talk about that uh, that initiative and also in that league, and talk about how it would have been. Uh, my question is how how would it been for you if you would have had this league when you were in college? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the professional collegiate league. It's, I mean, it's real simple, man. It's like uh, you know, the NCAA is a billion dollar business, and uh, you know, everyone can feed their families and feed themselves off of that business, but the players mm-hmm. and you know. I just think that there's something um, intrinsically wrong with that uh, and that, um, you know, we're working to create a system or a model that challenges that. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. that simple. And, um, you know, players is, you know, you've seen guys sit out college, um, college basketball is down a little bit year to this year. The blue bloods are down because, you know, a few of those guys are in the G with the G league ignite. Um, a few other guys are just sitting out um, because guys don't want to spend a year, I'm trying to adjust and adapt to a system that isn't necessarily going to prepare them the best for that next step. Um, so, uh, you know, we're just working in that vein. We, we believe that it's the right thing to do. Um, it's a grind that, uh, you know, we're going to stay at and uh, we feel like it's the best uh, in the best interest of the players and these players, families that um, right now are locked out of the financial benefits that everyone else involved can uh, reap the benefits from. So uh, for me, you know, when I was coming out of school, you know, I'm a, you know, this would have been perfect for me. So I had to roll the dice. Um, so, you know, a lot of people may not know this about me, but I had to, I failed my senior year of high school um, mm. because I wasn't eligible, um, you know, for a scholarship right out of, right out of high school, right out of high school. Um, I had junior college was an option, um, but um, everybody thought, or at least my family thought and my, uh, my high school coach thought it was in my best interest to fail as a senior and then redo my senior year in military school. Um, so I just, you know, all of my chips, all of my wow. eggs were in one basket when it came to, when it came to basketball. So I go to Hargrave, um, and I get eligible, but if the PCL is around, if I have an opportunity to go right from high school into a league where I, I mean, I'm not saying I was good enough for it. That's the other thing. Um, you have to, <laughs> You know, I may not have been good enough to to get college compensation, but um, the league would have been an option because, um, you know, we don't necessarily confine players to um, the NCAA standards of education or academics. So we want to be able to meet guys where they are. We want to be able to offer them online programs, offer them vocational programs and other type of educational opportunities um, that fit their need, media training and things like that. Um, um, that will help them and benefit them in life, but then also um, as they attempt to professionalize themselves in the game of basketball. Have there been any opposition like that you guys have met? Any pushback? Anybody? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, we're always, um, you know, being asked and challenged on the validity of pan athletes. Um, you know, we know that, you know, obviously um, the NCAA isn't too fond of us, which is. Okay. Um, but we think, you know, that the system that they have in place is wrong. And, you know, we don't believe that that athletes should be exploited in, in, in 2021, particularly when, you know, you have you know, TV contracts and networks and sponsorship deals and million dollar salaries and billion dollar, um, um, you know, bottom lines. Um, and the players are the guys left out. Mm-hmm. Word. Word. Well, uh, go check that out. The uh, Pro College League, the PCL. David PCL. West is heavily involved in that. 
Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's get to um, Real One of the Week, a segment we like to do every week with our guest where we shout out an entity, a, a player, a person that right. just won the week that week. So I'm going to go first. And I'll go to Raja, and then we'll go to uh, to D West. Mine is Naomi Osaka, who mm. Um, mm. Want, who became the seventh active player, male or female, to have four Grand Slam titles. Um, mm. The third player in the Open era, male or female, to win their first four major finals. And she beat Serena, man. She just, she just, just she, she won't beat Serena. Yeah, she won't she, 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 Yeah. So um, my ruin a week, Naomi Osaka. Roger, who is your real one of the week? All right, man. It's going to be tough to beat that because she was a true real run. But I'm going to go with an organization. I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz um, and, mm. and just their team on the court, what they continue to do, 26-6, and 9-1 in their last 10. Um, yeah, the Lakers were underhanded last night, but that's not my job not to be worrying about what you put out on the other side of the court for me. My job is to go out there and bust your ass, and they did that last night. And they continue to just double down on their for real, and they do not want to mm. be seen in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz as my real ones of the week. Mm, D West, real one of the week. Hmm, real. I man, I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I know you told me to get my thoughts together. Uh, <laughs> tough question. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll do something maybe personal. So I was. Um, there's a, a, a man named Dudley Flood, Mr. Dudley Flood. I was um, honored with, or I was honored to hear him speak yesterday on a Zoom. But he was talking about servant leadership, uh, and it was a, the way he defined it was very powerful for me. And um, he was saying, you know, one of the things I took away was that, you know, when you're serving other people, when you're doing work for others, um, you don't ever have time, but you make time. And so I thought that was really powerful. Um, and he really, you know, he really dropped some jewels yesterday that have, that have sort of resonated with me. So, um, you know, he said, uh, uh, again, the last thing he said was a test of your leadership um, and, a willing, and a willing leader understands that they may never get the credit that they deserve. So. Um, mm. Shout out to Mister Mister Dudley Flood uh, for the for the gems and the jewel. Real bars, real, real bars. Real Thanks um, for making time for us, bro. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you to D West for making time. We uh, you can check out all our other shows on the Ringer NBA Show feed. The Answer Group Chat Ringer University every other Wednesday. Um, mismatch with KOC and Verno. R two C two with who? Raja Vallejo Bell. Legend. You already know CC Sabathia. Mm. And you can follow the Ringer NBA show on Spotify. You can also subscribe on Apple or every everywhere else you get podcasts. We will see you guys on Monday. Thank you, David West. 